Hey everyone, it's Anil from Live, Breathe, Believe. I'm excited to be back after being away for a few weeks. Um, some personal changes in my life, moving to Amsterdam and uh, setting up shop here. Um, but excited to bring a recording that I have done with Fred Samantha on the joys and sorrows of happiness. We recorded this a few weeks ago and uh, I found myself listening to it today after uh, you know being in a new space, a new environment. And I mean, what, what is happiness? You know, I, something that I've been thinking about is happiness, we pursue it. It's at the top of our mind. And we sometimes, I don't know if we struggle to understand the essence of it. Do you really understand your source of happiness and how is it affected by external variables like money, social media, friends or family? Do we chase it? Um, or do we really understand how it affects us in the world we live in today? Fred, who's a professional coach in Zurich, explores this topic with me a bit further, and we discuss how we each experience the joys and sorrows of happiness through our own personal experiences. What we found is if you look within you, you find your own genuine motivation, you'll be able to externalize that and live an amazing and balanced life. Now, I tell you, this is not easy. It's an art, not a science. And it's something that I think we each should continue to do on a daily basis. You may find ways by listening to this cast how to understand, unlock, and strengthen your own source of inner contentment and happiness. Remember, know you to be you. Share this with friends or family and uh, open to your thoughts on the joys and sorrows of happiness. Until we meet next, enjoy. Hey, Fred. How's it going? Hey, Anil. I'm good. And you? Good, man. It's been a while, eh? It has. Good to Great be back, to be back with you. Man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's been a funny few weeks um, on the personal front. You know, moved out of my flat, um, gearing up into a new gig, uh, working on a few things on the side. Uh, had to give the podcast a bit of a gap in the last two weeks since our last chat. Um, Feeling, feeling good, but I'll be honest, man, I've, it, I've been in uh, different head spaces, um, emotional states, I can say, in the last couple of weeks. So always good to chat with you on, on that front. Uh, how about you, man? How, how have your last couple of weeks been? Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, uh, but uh, a lot of good stuff, too. So I have a new, new job, first time in an operational role since uh, getting into coaching for most of the time over the past two years. Uh, so that's been interesting. How's that? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about happiness. You know, it's one of these things that, that comes in and out. And uh, so that's why I texted you about that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you did because it's something that I think kind of has popped up uh, on, on various moments where we've chatted. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's a topic that's kind of near and dear to me because like whenever I have a, again, when I have a conversation with my partner about, you know, she's like, you know, um, want to make each other happy. Or somebody says, hey, are you happy? Or how are you feeling? Well, I'm happy. I always, always kind of like, ever since I read uh, The Art of Happiness, I just have a completely different perspective on that word and like that feeling. Um, so yeah, man, I'm kind of excited to chat a bit more about it. Um, is that maybe, the book by the Dalai Lama? Yes, sir. Yes, it okay. is. Okay, that's, that's on my list. I actually even downloaded it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. And it was the one thing I thought this morning, like, I can't believe we're having a chat about happiness and I haven't read the Dalai Lama's book on happiness yet. Um, so, and, you know, it's been recommended to be a number of times. And uh, I, yeah, 
I'm about to read it, but maybe maybe we have a follow-up chat about that, or maybe you want to start there by telling me a little bit about what happiness is. Yeah, no, I, that. well, I think what's going to be kind of cool now is I'll, I'll probably end up quoting it or giving some examples from it. And after you listen to it, you'll either come back and go, yeah, you know, <laughs> what were, mm-hmm. were, I don't know what book you read. That's a different book than I, what I read or what I listened to or what messages I caught. So no, I think it'll be good. Um, no, you know, I, I, the, I read that book um, early part of last year. So actually uh, just as we'd gone into lockdown, and uh, it, it was an interesting time to read that book because it was actually, I think, one of the first few audibles I read. Um, and I've obviously heard about the Dalai Lama, know about him, but I never knew about his teachings on happiness. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what I caught onto is the thesis of the book from my side is, you know, happiness is a feeling and feelings come and go. His, I think one of the main points he was saying is, look, it's all about a state of positivity or being in a positive state of mind. And uh, things that we can do, should do, want to do in the moment that shift us into a positive state of mind. Because if we try to do things that make us happy or insert the word feel happy, we, you know, that, that happiness may pass and it might get replaced with sadness or anger or frustration. Mm -hmm. And so it's, so what do we do? And how have we grown from being little to where we have no perspective or clue on feelings, but we can shift from a positive to negative state by being laughing or crying to where we are as adults now. And we've got more conscious thought and we, we have an ability to go into a negative state, but then find a way back to being in a positive state. And so for me, I kind of have adopted that now. It's like, you know, I want to feel happy, but it's what can I do to be in a positive state of mind? even when I'm angry or feeling frustrated, like I'm still in a positive state or I'm taking steps to get me into a positive state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's very interesting. And it seems that that is taking happiness as a desirable outcome, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I agree with. And even that seems to be controversial. So you want to do things to make yourself happy because the other side of that would be being unhappy. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. It clearly seemed worse to me, right? No, totally. I mean, you think about, um, I think about the movie Boiler Room and one of the famous quotes from that movie, you know, Ben Affleck's character is like, you know, people that say money can't buy you happiness. Here's my Ferrari. People that, you know, you know, say money makes you miserable. They don't have any. And I'm, I'm almost kind of like, well, okay, so if money makes you happy, then why is it people who have a lot of money are typically always stressed out? or mm-hmm. they're chasing the next dollar, or they're chasing the next pound. And, you know, I don't see them as happy people. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're able to afford nice things. And if those nice things make them feel happy, it can also make them feel sad. So it's almost like how we understand, like you said, happiness is an outcome. You know, what is what are we doing mm-hmm. moment to moment that gets us closer to that outcome of happiness, but we're able to sustain that state or feeling longer because if we're happy or feeling happy we're going to make others happy absolutely or it's going to be hopefully contagious in in a a good sense Mm. yeah i think that's very interesting i mean of course of course some rich people are happy right but they're also the stories and this is one of the kind of archetypical stories that i come back to someone says you know i was working so much and I thought the car and the house and the partying 
and the new girlfriends were going to make me happy. And then after 25 years, I realized that they weren't going to give me lasting happiness. And it's like, really, that took you 25 years to realize that one night stands in champagne and a very polished bottles. Bar, uh, was not going to make you happy. That's, uh, you know, that's sad in its whole own way. Um, and, and I think that that should be clear, as you say, you know, you do things that put you in a positive state. And so we are doing things to try to make ourselves happy, right? Um, because the other criticism, some people say, for example, um, like, uh, you can't have happiness as a goal. And then the question is, well, then what are you going to have? Unhappiness or success or something else? And you're just going to hope that happiness comes along? Or this state of being happy or not happy is not important. Or there are also the t-shirts that say, I choose happiness, which I think is, you know, it's nice, but it's also a bit too glib for me. You know, you want to see that person when they're having a really rough day and say like, so what about now? You choosing happiness now? And they would tell you to fuck off, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I totally agree. Um, and the other thing I thought about as you're saying that was, uh, we, you know, so we do choose happiness or we try to get there in, in some way. And there's something about like we talked before about fake it till you make it. Uh, we've talked about being and becoming like happiness and success. Mm-hmm. And uh, also being realistic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not always just pretending that things are a certain way and putting a smile on, but actually l- looking and saying, well, what should I be doing differently? Maybe I'm bumping my head against the wall here and I need to change something. And if you come back to, you know, if you exercise, if you eat well, if you take care of your mind, if you take care of your relationships, you can make other people happier and they can make you happier. And you have a job that you like. It's pretty much it, right? Yeah, but this is this is where... Uh... I love the word pedantic. This is where I get pedantic. Mm-hmm. So to make others happier, to make ourselves happy, again, I say it's, it's a feeling, right? We feel happy. Mm-hmm. So if someone says, are you happy? I'm happy. Well, or, or do you feel happy? Oh yeah, I, I feel happy. So mm-hmm. it's like, for example, if I handed you a check for $10,000, you're going to feel happy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, initially, and then you might go, hang on a second. Now I feel a bit, wait, what? Why are you giving me $10,000? Like, yeah, yeah. What do I have to, what do I have to do now to earn this? Suddenly you've gone from a feeling of happy to a feeling of, you know, anxiety, concern, stress. And, and I think that's the reason why I always go back to, you know, okay, so now I have to like, you have to get to a positive state of mind. Like, oh, he's given me a check for $10,000. Okay. Now. Okay. So now I need to get information in order to shift back to a positive state as opposed to in a negative state of anxiety and, and feeling mm-hmm. negative, feeling anxious to feeling happy. So it's, I find that, uh, I, I find that something that just resonates with me after I read that book where I was like, okay, anything and everything I do, it's how do I shift into a state of positivity or a positive state? And if I'm in that, hopefully as a result, as you say, and as an outcome, mm-hmm. I will feel mm-hmm. happy. Yeah. Um, I'll give you another example. It's like, you know, if someone says to you, I want to make you happy, what goes through your mind when someone says that to you? Hey, Fred, I'd like to make you happy. 
What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking about a few different things. Um, taking the last example story that you gave as well is it's something about happiness is different levels and like pleasure uh, and excitement are a very temporary form of happiness that comes from the outside. Mm-hmm. So there are ways other people can make you feel pleasure or they give you $10,000 and that makes you happy in a sense. But it also puts you on this roller coaster, right? Where first you're happy and then you worry. So people build this kind of roller coaster for you. And, you know, I, th- I think that's one of the lessons of Buddhism, right? As long as you're on this roller coaster, uh, you get up in the morning and the sun's shining and it's good. You're happy. And then you can't find your keys and then you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you catch the train and then you're happy. And then you miss the bus and then you're unhappy. Um, and then someone gives you $10,000 and then you're happy. And then they tell you what you, they want you to do for it. And then you're unhappy Yeah. Uh, and, and so on. And that's like a, about a superficial form of happiness because mm-hmm. it's related to like pleasure or excitement or some kind of superficial feeling. But I think there's also something if you've done a lot of things over time to, to get off the roller coaster or I don't know, to build your own roller coaster then then you have a deeper sense of contentment and joy. So, so that's what I'm thinking about. You know, this is a roundabout way to answer your question. Like, mm-hmm. are we talking about pleasure, contentment, joy, or maybe some other form of happiness? I don't know. I haven't thought about it exhaustively. But I very much think that contentment is a very powerful thing to be able to access to just sit by yourself and look out the window and to say, yeah, things are pretty good. You know, I have a to-do list. I have some problems, but you know, not right now. And I'll, I'll deal with them. I've dealt with stuff before. So I'm, I'm content with what I have and I want more, but I'm still content with what I have to be able to hold both of those things or to have a joy that springs forth pride without any external stimulus without being given $10,000, like laughing when you're by yourself, I think is very, you know, you can think of a joke and you can laugh, right? Totally. I absolutely love that, man, because you, you hit it on the head for me. It's all about contentment. I mean, mm. you're right. I love it. And I, again, it's like, those, we just take those three words, keeping it simple, pleasure, contentment, joy. Um, you're right. Pleasure is potentially short-lived. Um, an orgasm, you know, Hey, that felt great. Short-lived, uh, joy, you know, you give joy, you experience joy, you share joy, potentially short-lived, or it's it, maybe that's a bit more contagious, um, mm-hmm. goes further than, than pleasure, but contentment. Uh, yeah. If you just see someone just sitting on a park bench, smiling, you're probably like that person's a nut job, but you mm. know, who knows? Like they probably just sitting there admiring something around them in the absence of anything. And they're just internally potentially just feeling like I feel really good. And mm. when you feel really good from within, I feel like that has the power to, to just last longer. Mm. And, and I feel like that's kind of like the contentment is that positive state where yeah, you're, yeah. you're able to go ahead. I, I think that can actually be true both of contentment and joy. Okay. I think you can have just a daily joy, which is contentment is probably easier to relate to probably more accessible, but it's one of the ways that I judge spiritual teachers 
You know, okay. if someone says, hey, I've been doing the spiritual development thing for 20 years, had a lot of insights, you know, may maybe it's a roundabout humble way of saying that they're enlightened, you know, this kind of thing. Um, and then they look absolutely bored and devastated and wouldn't. Then I'm like, all right, I'm not I don't want that. You know, take your lessons elsewhere. <laughs> Whereas if someone, you know, the idea of a jolly Buddha sitting and laughing and the belly and the shoulders, you know, jumping up and down as they laugh and not very much at all. I think they've tapped into an internal and a universal source of not just contentment, but even joy. That is absolutely contagious, but it's also, you know, its own fire that lights itself. No, it, I, I'm with you on that. It, it, I find that interesting because it's like a, uh, a simple smile versus, like you said, like the, the shake of the shoulders and the belly and the mm. laughter and it like, you know, emanating with like sound and noise, you know, yeah. as opposed to just a simple smile. And, you know, I think that uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with like either wanting to be around that where you do that, that joy is contagious, you know, because someone may be a bit more extroverted with that contentment. Um, but, you know, there might be someone who's not as extroverted, the more introverted and they're content and they're, you know, they, they, they're not one that's kind of disseminating joy or, sure. or but like, but at mm. the same time, they, it's, it's on a scale of one to 10 joy, <laughs> extremely joyful. You know, they're, they're still on the joyful scale, but there's just on the, on the introverted side. Um, and they're, they're I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's something like contentment, I think is related to, there's one part about just feeling enough and that yeah. you have enough and that you are enough and it can give a sense of like contentment. Like there's no hole to fill. Yes. There's yes. no ravenous desire to try to go outside to fill a hole. It's like, I'm happy. And now I get to spend my time building something or serving something, you know, out of a place of, of contentment. You look out the window and you're just like content. Yeah. And then joy is something more. Uh, you know, if, for example, if people talk about love, I think sometimes when people talk about love, they actually mean joy. Mm, okay. That's how I look at it. If, if someone says uh, the universe is love and love is the most fundamental thing, uh, I'm curious about what the, the distinction they make between love and joy. And for me, joy is more unified. It's just its own thing because it also works out grammatically you say joy, it doesn't work very well in a sentence or it doesn't need a lot of sentence around it. It's just like joy. There's joy. Whereas with love, I think, I mean, maybe, maybe it's the same thing to some extent. Love is about wishing someone well. So it's about a subject and an object. Um, and I love you or something like that. It's a beautiful thing to say, but, but it does have that kind of sentence around it. And then there's just joy. It's just joy. Well, I'm just actually, I had to look this up because I'm kind of curious because whenever someone says enjoy mm -hmm. or, ah, oh, this is something to enjoy. It's uh, it's, uh, you know, EN is to make. So it's like to make joy, to give joy mm. um, or, you know, it, so what I find interesting about that is I've never thought about that. Like in terms of that, you know, so love, you know, enjoy your love or enjoy, mm -hmm. you know, uh, whereas it's like, you know, say, I love you. You don't say, I, you know, well, you might say, well, I enjoy your company. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, wait a minute. So does that mean you love me or you're, what, what, is that a, a way to, but it's sure. What I, 
Yeah. You know it sounds very transactional. It sounds exactly. very cheap. Ooh, worse than love. I mean, exactly. I, I love you sounds much better than I enjoy you. Exactly. <laughs> sure. I enjoy your, yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite lovely. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's like, I look at love and joy. It's like when you're content, going back to your, your point there, and I don't mm-hmm. want to misuse it, but it's a, it's like, imagine if I fill my cup with a glass of wine, you know, and it's mm-hmm. full and I see you with an empty cup and I'm like, oh, Fred, come join me. Let me fill mm-hmm. your glass with wine. It, it's almost like, I feel like it's like you're, when you're in a positive state or you're, 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 you feel happy or you feel content, you're not worried about what's in front of you. You're almost kind of looking around going, how can I help others? How can I, you know, share, give joy, um, fill another person's cup and then like almost, you know, share that contentment, make them. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I, one one of the, one piece of advice um, a close friend once gave me is, you know, he's like, when you meet someone, Ideally, you're meeting someone, your partner is someone who uh, is content. You know, they're not with you because you fill a void uh, or they fill a void for you uh, or you're having to constantly give them, fill their cup, fill their cup. And they're, you know, they're not able to fill your cup Mm -hmm. and that's going to draining you. And I, and I found that quite powerful because I'm kind of like, okay, so it is how, how do we as human beings feel content? So I know we started this conversation with feeling happier or happiness or, but it, I think when you're in that position where you are able to be content, I think then you're in that space to, to give joy or to share joy, which then I think starts to fill the cups of others around you. And you start me, you're able to, yeah, to share yeah. that. I, I agree with that. It's something like uh, being content is like a platform. It gives you stability. It's very grounding. And it makes you able it enables you to, to look around and to start to help other people. You know, it's very difficult to do if you feel you have this hole inside that needs to be full, that needs to be filled. Or if you look for other people, as you say, I'm, I'm not content. How can other people, you know, fill my cup or fill this hole I feel inside? And, you know, then you find other people who are looking for the same thing. And, and you know, that starts to sound like it's uh, d- disruptive or, you know, some kind of, codependent behavior or you know something like that could could grow out of it but but two content people who are happy can absolutely make each other happier and when you are content i think you can start to see bursts of joy that are just like um spontaneous or you know not caused by the outside world and then, you know, it's similar to love. I think a lot of people would use love for that. You know, they feel full of love. They feel full of uh, joy for no particular reason. Yeah. I agree with that. I think it, it's, let me actually take a step back and put a question back to you. It, when you don't feel content, when you feel, because you're, you're, in my opinion, you're a positive person. I mean, even as a coach, you're, you're, you're someone that, but you, I'm sure you have, like you said, you've been on a roller coaster the last couple of weeks. What is it you do when you, when you lack contentment? Mm-hmm. Feel I think, I think the first thing is to notice. It's actually very difficult to notice. We think we are normal. We think we are rational. And then we realize that sometimes we are more emotional than we think or, um, a few years ago when I went through a depression, I didn't realize. I thought I was normal. I thought I was reacting normally and rationally and 
realistically to the situations around me. And, you know, I was uh, approving of my own behavior uh, because I was used to being in a different place. So I assume that's where I still was. And then only looking back, I realized like I'd been going through a major dip. Uh, and, and this is one of the first points, you know, how well, how good are you at that self-assessment? I have some friends who are very keenly aware of like, oh, this week I've been a little bit down. I think it's for these reasons. I'm going to try to change that. And they have some ideas of the the curbs and then the ditches that they want to avoid. You know, oh, I have this tendency uh, towards depression or towards anxiety that I kind of monitor myself. And there is a early warning system that when this happens, then I know that I need to, you know, maybe stop drinking alcohol or uh, g- get back into exercise or uh, take better care of my relationships or wh- whatever it might be to, to, to curb that behavior and to, to change the energy and the vibration. That's, that's I think, the, the first step. Um, I also think it's a couple of things in terms of sometimes to lower the expectations I have on a certain day. Like I got vaccinated last week and then like Thursday was a total write-off and that's okay. You know, how can I expect so much of myself when I'm like sweating and having flu-like symptoms? And if the people around me could not accept that, you know, it would say something else. But of course, of course they did. And I said like, all right, today I'm not going to do much. And it felt very good. And then the next day I was back and, you know, uh, everything was was rosier and I was feeling better and I accepted the way I was feeling and I let it take kind of a natural turn of the wheel, but but I did the best I could, you know, to help myself to, to eat healthy and to, to sleep well. And, you know, I actually took a sleeping pal- pill to go to bed early and, you know, that kind of thing to, uh, yeah, I, I think that was the right thing to do at that time. I, I love that because um, to be aware of it, to notice it, to change the vibrations, to, to lower your own expectations. But what I, what, what's even better about that is like, you, I know you told people that, but like, it's like, you didn't say, Hey, you know, you've got kids. Hey kids, you know what? Can you expect less of me today? Just cause I'm not well, it's more of like, you almost had to remind yourself like, hang on, Fred, like I'm not gonna be able to do much today. So just go easy on yourself. Cause if you're Mr. Overachiever today with the absence of the energy that you need, you're, you're going to go into negative, you know, you're going to go into, mm. I, it's like I, what you mentioned before about taking the temperature with other people, you know, checking yeah. in with them uh, is a really good practice. I really liked what you said about that before we started and to do the same thing with oneself to say, where am I today? <laughs> what are we going to do? And, and to take it both ways, you know, today I'm going to take it easy. I got vaccinated yesterday or something like that. And all the other days, like, look, today, there are no excuses. Let's not make any excuses to not do the things that are difficult because there is no end to that. So now is the day to, to toughen up and, you know, JFTI. to set a, a personal best and to, to just go for it. No, I, I, uh, I love that. You know, there was a, a podcast I listened to from uh, Brene Brown and Tim Ferriss, and she talks about how, um, you know, people say a healthy marriage is 50-50. And she's like, you know, find me a couple who actually do have 50, 50. And she went on to kind of explain like, you know, there'll be a week where she will feel 30 and her husband will feel 50. So that combined they're 80. 
So if they want to get to 100 together, either he needs to up the notch, you know, by, you know, he needs to get up to 70. So she's at 30. So they're at 100 or they need to like <laughs> take the pressure off themselves and in order to get to 100 percent or. But what I loved about that, it, it is mm. it's a bit of an equation where, you know, but if you're just your one person and you're thinking, OK, today I'm at 60 percent. OK, that means I'm not going to be able to do 100 percent of everything I normally do on a day like today. Uh, I may not be able to go for that 5k run, 10k run. I may not be able to meet up with those people. I mean, and I think it's mm -hmm. knowing that because again, suddenly then you're not letting yourself down. Mm -hmm. You're, you're more content and therefore you're able to shift into a positive state of mind. And that positive state of mind then will hopefully eventually get to that outcome, as we said, of, of feeling happy, uh, or, yes. or, and then being able to give joy or experience joy or feel joy. Um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I mentioned, I'm also been in a bit of a tough spot and, you know, uh, up until last week, I was like, you know, blimey, um, this is something I'm just not going to want to do. And, you know, wanted to make a few phone calls and I was like, nope, stop, like just pause, you know? So again, like I said, noticing it, being aware mm -hmm. of it. Okay. I, I said, okay, I need to change my vibration, my energy. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to do the wrong thing on the back of, of being emotional rather than being clear, being measured. So I ended up, you know, I did lower my expectations. Fortunately, I had a day off, so it made it easier that I didn't have to like get onto emails and, 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 and you know, run the, the, the mental batteries. I ended up actually jotting my thoughts down and going, okay, so in order for me to feel or in order for me to get to, and something we even said again before we started recording, something um, Joe Dispenza says is, you know, when the emotion clears, you're left with wisdom. And it's like that wisdom that's on paper. If I read emotion on paper, I can go, thank God I didn't act on that. Or if I read reason mm -hmm. on paper, I'm like, okay, I need to act on that. And, um, but coupled with good food, meditation, exercise, sleep, you've got those fundamentals. Ideally, I mean, okay, maybe you don't do the exercise, but you eat well, you meditate and you sleep to give your body that chance to recover, I think is absolutely necessary. Otherwise you'll end up doing something that might dig you a, a bigger hole. Mm -hmm or yeah, create yeah, a bigger yeah. void. So, so the, the summary of that for me, like the, the source of some confusion seems to be that being happy is not, you know, a simple task. It's not like you do one thing and that's going to make you constantly happy. It's of course not that simple. And um, at the same time, there are definitely things you can do to prepare the ground and to sow the seeds and to create the environment, the external environment and the internal environment for happiness. And, and, and you can't have, you know, saying the latter is not oversimplifying, right? So some people say, yeah, happiness is not a good goal. Or, you know, if you just watch TV and eat pizza, you'd go uh, get tired of it. Or, you know, I, I tried to, to become happy by buying all the cars and it's like well yeah but that just shows a lack of imagination or or the wrong model of happiness it doesn't disqualify the idea of happiness i think we know i think we know what we should be doing you know not to self-sabotage to to actually self-monitor and to do some things that we think yeah this is gonna make me feel good long term this is gonna make me more content, maybe, and more ambitious, uh, and may feel more joy, and be a more loving person, and be able to have a good relationship. And we know what those things are. And it's complex, but it's not overly complicated. It's not like we don't know. No, you know, I, um, 
I'm actually excited for you to, to when you eventually listen to uh, Art of Happiness, I'm going to go back to your point on saying like, you know, being happy is not a simple task. My, uh, I'm going to say it this way more, what I interpreted from what I, what I listened to is it's actually a very simple task. Mm. Feeling happy is actually very simple. And, and, and what he, and the reason why is it's like, if you think of a, of a kid, um, they, they don't have moments where they're upset. Like, they, sorry, as in like, they, they either cry or they, they're laughing. Mm-hmm because they're hungry or they need to change a diaper or they, so, you know, kind of what his, his thesis is like, again, like, or his point is like, people come into the world um, positive mm-hmm. and it's things that they encounter, whether it's how they're raised, their environment, their struggles, their challenges, whether they're privileged, not, pri- you know, that yeah. will then shape them to being more positive or more negative or balanced, whatever. Mm. And so what he's kind of saying is like, look, like being happy or feeling happy can be actually very simple. It's how do you remove the complexity around you? Which is why I think when you said the follow-up, which is, you know, we create, if we can create the environment for happiness, life is better. Mm -hmm. Life can be happy. Like it can be simple. And I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, something, again, we also chatted about before we started recording. It's like knowing your why, like why, Mm -hmm. if I buy a car, I have a buddy of mine, um, love the guy. He's one of the most energetic, positive individuals I've ever met. And uh, he showed me a picture of him in 1983, 84, looking at a Ferrari. Mm. And then he's like, now look at this. He bought himself a brand new Ferrari, you know, mm. a couple of weeks back and he earned it. Like, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. worked hard. He talked to his wife, you know, his kid, like, and then now it, it, it because it's a true joy for him. Like he mm-hmm. loves cars. Like it's his joy. And so, you know, is he, if I ask him, are you happy that he bought that car? Heck Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? He's like, cause it's my, been my childhood dream. Yeah. Yeah. So that car will be a source of happiness and joy for him. And he'll be able to share that with others. He's going to hopefully let me, you know, ride in it, not drive it, ride in it one day. <laughs> uh, want the, oh, that would be too much pressure. Uh, um, talk about handing someone a check for 10 grand, the keys to mm-hmm. a <laughs> 150 plus grand Ferrari. But I, again, why am I saying this? I think it's the, my point is, I mean, it's, it's our responsibility to being, as you said, aware and finding our own approach to understanding our why and mm-hmm. simplifying the task of feeling happy or being mm-hmm. in a positive state of mind, mm-hmm. knowing that negative, a negative mindset will literally wipe you out. Mm-hmm. And I always do my fake math. Like it'll take four to seven happy moments to offset that one negative moment, or that, mm-hmm. that state of negativity. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but so, it's just, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Coming back to one of the first things you said there was, and I, I think this is basically d- debated within the different schools of Buddhism, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, is the road to enlightenment very long and could take several lifetimes? And, you know, you pound away at it and make little progress, but you probably never get there. Or is it available? Is it all available for you right now in this moment? And so I think that's something that's that's debated and in a sense it's both right Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is the way some people express it like being there while getting there so i do like the sentiment of this both contentment and joy Mm -hmm. i think they're absolutely available right now and i don't think you have to do anything so i agree but it's also true that you can create your personal hell if you are in debt if you've borrowed money from your friends and insulted them and made it their fault 
and uh, you know not forgiving your parents for whatever you perceive they did wrong when you were growing up uh, and uh, you know you can go on for as long as you want if you create all these bad circumstances in your life all this bad karma in a sense it will be de- very difficult and if someone says hey it's all available the contentment and joy is right there you don't have to change anything you know i think that's i think that's basically wrong mm. so so you have to do both you have to clean your house you have to have good relationships and do some spiritual work it's very difficult if your body is in constant pain to be happy again if someone says oh you know happiness and contentment are, are, are right there you know your your keys were in your pocket all along uh it doesn't work because the body is in too much pain um but at the same time you know we we, we know of these uh, cases and the people who said they were in a big accident and they became happy or uh, the cancer was the best thing that happened to them, or, you know, something like that. Right. And objectively it isn't, but it helped them to find something. It helped them to let go. Uh, and then they found that it was true that the contentment and joy were available in every moment, despite of the external circumstances, which sounds a bit odd. And, that brings me to the point about attachment. I think if someone buys a Ferrari, absolutely, it's totally reconcilable with, you know, being being rich and successful and happy and all these things. Absolutely possible. Uh, and I think the, the thing you want to look out for there is the attachment, right? If someone is losing sleep about the idea of the car getting stolen or damaged or something like that, then maybe they're a bit too attached. I don't want to give anyone advice but for example recently i i gave a, away a lot of my favorite things mm-hmm. uh they were small things but i wanted to check that like these are my favorite things i'm going to give them away to make sure that i wasn't getting attached to things i know i can you know yeah they're my favorite things next year i will have other favorite things and to let someone else enjoy them for a while uh, a friend of mine has a jacket i really like and um I actually asked him if I could have it, and he gave it to me. Uh, so it's an interesting game of of giving and taking your favorite things. Uh, so, you know, if you had a Ferrari, maybe I would encourage you to let your friend drive it because it would give them a lot of pleasure. Yeah. And it would let them, it would let you check that you weren't getting too attached to your things. I think that's brilliant. I think, you know, it, it's almost like, again, and it's funny that word attachment because it, it's like, it's like that ball and chain. If it becomes a weight that you're having to carry around, you're absolutely right, mate. It's going to put you, it's going to drain you. It's going to deplete you. And you're not going to, you're not going to feel content. You're not going to be able to feel joy. You're not going to be able to share it. You're not going to feel happy. Um, you know, and I love how you said you have to, you have to clean your house. You have to do the work. And, and it's again, one of my favorite quotes from art of happiness is if your motivation is genuine, and uh, again, mo- genuine motivation comes from within mm-hmm. and uh, it comes from having clarity. It comes from having, a, you know, knowing, okay, where, where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And how do I want to do it? And mm. it, you know, it, you know, we, we chat about a previous podcast I did on, uh, you know, fitness and vanity and things that are short lived, you know, uh, I, I'm someone who just personally believes that like it, it, it's, 
it's, it's, it's, it's wrong to get attached to things. And, you know, when you are able to, I look at my, so I'm jumping here. I look at my father and my uncle, like they gave so much, they've made so much, they gave, they lost so much, but they've given so much away. And I think it's just, when you're able to do that, um, I was on a, I was in a cab ride yesterday and I was speaking to the guy and, you know, he was telling me how, uh, you know, he made a deal with someone to drive them for 200 pounds for the day. And, uh, he was waiting for the guy. The guy eventually said, can you come pick up my shopping bags? Realize that this guy bought a shirt for 200 pounds, shoes for 2000 pounds, like just whatever. They dropped like 20 grand on, on shopping. They got back home and he was like, Hey, so how much do I owe you? And he's like 200. He's like, can we do 150? Like, please come on, mate. Can we do 150? You know, I mean, I was shocked to hear this story. I'm like, this guy clearly that 50 pounds won't make a difference for him, but it'll make a massive difference for the taxi driver. The taxi driver was like, fine, just give me the 150 and I'll be on my way. Mm. And it blew my mind because I'm kind of like, you know, it's not, it's not that the guy had the ability to afford it, but he didn't have the respect. He didn't have the, the, uh, he was attached to that 50 pounds for some reason. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, really? Like, that's not going to change your life, but it's going to change someone else's life. So how do we find the balance? Uh, Cause I think something we always talk about is balance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, knowing when we're feeling empty and we can give and knowing when we're feeling empty and can't um, mm-hmm. and just being yeah, aware. I like what you said about the genuine motivation as well. It's again, like we introspect or we're aware of what's going on. So mm-hmm. someone is willing to spend 200 pounds to give themselves, you know, maybe, and I'm, you know, making this up, but like social status, but they're not willing to give 200 pounds to make someone else's day better. Exactly. It's weird, right? And it's the same with a Ferrari. If you have a Ferrari and you sit in it and it gives you an appreciation of craftsmanship, of human ingenuity, uh, if it brings you back to your childhood and the first dreams you had about what, what life could be, and it gives you a healthy connection to achievement and reward and celebration. It's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. But if you drive around and you're like, oh, people aren't really looking at me. I thought more people would look. Then, you know, maybe that, that's what would make me question my motivation. Like, oh, shit, why did I do this? What am I doing? No, exactly. And it, it's, it's a it going back to how we motivate, how we understand our own why, how we know ourselves in order to then, are we content? Are we in a position to share the joy, create mm-hmm. joy? I think it's, it's really important in order for us to feel happy. So, you know, like you said earlier, you know, someone can be a multi-billionaire and be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, they're not in it for the money. You know, mm-hmm. hey, they're, they're rich on the back of doing whatever they're doing that makes them happy or helps them be happy. And they're able to make money off it. Hey, best mm-hmm. combination. Um, and there are some people who are happy, not making any money, being broke or being, you know, not having, but Mm -hmm. they're happy because they're not, they're not pressured into doing things that they don't want to do by somebody else. So it's, it's this, I think that's why it goes back to it's teach their own, right? Mm -hmm. Like want everyone to feel happy, uh, to be content, but it, it's, it will vary by person depending Mm -hmm. on who they are and what they want and why. I believe, you know, you mentioned it a couple of times. I think the original Nietzsche quote is a man who's found his why can endure almost any how. Uh, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Nietzsche. 
And I, I think that's right. And it's about, you know, the modern way to put it is like, find your why or uh, embrace the struggle, right? So if you're going for something, if you have a purpose and a motivation that you believe in, then some discomfort along the way is not off-putting, right? Because it's put in the context of it's making you stronger and it's getting you closer to a goal. I agree. And I think that's really, I would say that's about half the story. And it's about that balance between those two particular things. So uh, finding your why and a purpose, it's about having goals. It's about becoming something. It's about, as we said, you have to do some work to prepare the ground for success or something else. And then there is the other side of it, which is contentment is available right now. And that doesn't even require a why. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just, it's just within, you have to, you have to be yes. aware, you have to notice mm -hmm. it. It's funny yeah. you should say success. Cause I always ask, I remember back in college, I had the question to a few friends, I'm like, what is success to you? Um, you know, and, and it, it varies, you know, it, it, and some people might go, Oh, being a Harvard MBA grad, you know, going and working for a investment bank, banking a seven digit bonus, blah, blah, that success. And it might be for another, it might just be, Hey, a wife, husband, two kids, one kid, a dog, white picket fence, question mark, like that's mm -hmm. success to me. So it, it's, I think that's why, uh, you know, it, it, the outcome of that, of, of your own mm. motivations can vary in, in the definitions can therefore be different, but it's ironic. I, it's, hey, but at the end of the day, I think being content, being joyful, being happy, it, it's, it, it's as basic as it gets. Um, yeah, it doesn't yeah. need different definitions. Mm. It doesn't need different, uh, yeah, materials. And it seems to, to me that everyone wants a combination of happiness and success. Everyone wants a combination of the just uncaused contentment and the joy. Uh, sorry, and the success, or maybe joy, of of setting and achieving goals. Mm -hmm. I think it's very rare to not genuinely want both, in the sense that. Some people say, oh, you know, I'm happy with anything. I don't need anything. If that's genuinely true, fantastic, of course. You know, again, like happiness is happiness. If you, if you say you're happy and, and you are without anything, fantastic. Um, but sometimes it's not true. Sometimes it le leads to, to bitterness and the idea of like unfulfilled potential and things like that. Uh, and at the other end of the spectrum... Some people say, you know, it's all about the struggle and happiness is, you know, for poor people and, you know, something like that. And and they're just trying to fill a hole and justify a, a chase when, in fact, you know, maybe the, the type of happiness that is contentment would would give balance. And, and that's where I've ended up, that most people want both some element of uncaused happiness and some element of achievement and success. Well, in that case, I would go back to like, know your definition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause exactly. if I, if I'm someone who's like, oh, well, so-and-so is married to a model and so-and-so has a 10 bedroom house and has, you know, drives a, a Maserati Ferrari and, 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 and I want that. That's not mm -hmm. my definition of happiness as in like, that's mm -hmm. not my fulfillment. Like that's their, that's what they've yeah, got. Yeah. That's what they've mm -hmm. done. So as soon as I'm looking outwards, not inwards, I've lost the plot. Mm, I'm yeah, not going to be, yeah. I'm never going to be happy because I'm going to be constantly chasing someone else's dream. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's not what we want. Like that, I, that's, I think, I think that's, that's true. We're a little bit too good at taking those signals. You know, we're kind of probably evolutionarily trained to look at other people and what they're doing and take cues from it to, mm -hmm. to fit in and to create a society and to learn. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, that's good. But we certainly don't want to take it too far because mm -hmm. we become like uh, machines in terms of just like copying other people. And if we copy other people who are unhappy, you know, it, it's not going to lead us to a good place. No, I agree, man. And, and that's, uh, I think that's really important. It, it, and I just feel like social media these days, especially for folks in their, their tweens, maybe early thirties, mm -hmm. like, you know, who, who aren't thoroughly established. Hey, even folks in their forties, let's not put age on it. You know, mm -hmm. any, you get on social media and so-and-so is vacationing in or just got their second jab or they got their new house or they just got married or their new port. You know, like, mm -hmm. let's be honest, like social media is a platform where it's look at me, look at what I'm doing. Now, someone can have the motivation of like, I want to share this with friends and family of like how happy I am and mm -hmm. stuff. But some others can probably read that and um, go, okay, like, is this a joke? Like what the, like, um, and, and I think this is, it's, it's just, I find it quite interesting because we live in a very materialistic, I, I, I brought this up, I think mm -hmm. with you, yourself or India, so how do we find the right, just look within like, okay, that's great. What's happening outside. Mm -hmm. It's great. What others are doing, you know, I'm grateful, happy for you. But what does that mean? And what does that do to you? So you don't yeah, put yeah. that extra pressure on yourself thinking, is that happiness? Mm -hmm. Like you really understand and that's why I love that book, The Art of Happiness. Like, understand, like, why? Yeah, understand yeah. The I, I like that. It sounds like the things that we're coming in back to is like, uh, look inside, mm -hmm. find a genuine motivation, mm -hmm. and then execute it with balance. So those three things from like starting within and then building the external things from the, the, the genuine motivation, I think, is a good leverage to go in the right direction. And if you're going in the right direction, it doesn't matter how, how fast you're going. It'll be a better journey. And then to find balance within that. If someone yeah. claims to be happily achievement-oriented but cannot sit still with their eyes closed for 10 minutes, you know, it's strange. Similarly, if someone claims to be very content but couldn't, even if they needed to, put in four hours of solid work, it's also strange. I totally agree with that. I think, you know, I think that just to kind of recap, almost kind of, I think you just hit it, look within, create and understand that genuine motivation and build it on the outside and see where it takes you at whatever pace it does. It can be slow. Yeah. Can be fast. I think that's the summary. Love it. Fred, I love this, man. I miss this. Good catching up with you, brother. Yeah. Wonderful. Hey, I'll catch up with you soon. Take care, buddy. Take care. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. Remember, from a personal perspective, like success, happiness ensues. It's not pursued. Lots of love. Big hugs. Until we meet next, this is Anil. Take care.